20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack a Day Podcast, episode number 444. I am Jason Perrone, along with my co host. It's been a minute. That he is back in the saddle. Paul Brettel is back with us. Paul, you survived Brewer season. You doing all right? <laughs> yep, I'm good. And it has been a minute, but yep, it was a tough loss, but I'm on to on to Packers football. Packers football and Buck season too, right? Yep. Preseason's on. Actually got it on right now. Yeah. So for those that don't know, you should be following Paul by now. If you're not, just know that he is uh very active and great on Twitter and is also very heavily involved with Dairyland Express. So give them a follow and check them out. They do great work over there as well. So kind of a China, kind of a change up for us, Paul, because normally we're going the day before the game, but uh, it's a Monday night football game. So we're going to be talking about key matchups and X factors in this game between the Packers and the Detroit Lions, Monday night football, Lambeau Fields, the first Monday nighter of the season for Green Bay. They've got to have some kind of a streak going where they've played Monday night for many, many years in a row. So no surprise that they're back on prime time. And there's, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit before the show started. There's actually some stuff to talk about because the Lions are pretty good this year so far. And the Packers are pretty good so far this year. And the NFC North is up for grabs. And the NFC in general is up for grabs. So, I mean, this is a Lions team that really could still be unbeaten. Had they taken care of business against the Kansas City Chiefs a couple weeks ago, you know, they they may not have a loss on their record. You know, they had the terrible meltdown in week one and allowed the Cardinals to come back and tie them after they should have won that game. So two formidable teams here. Um, you know, do you feel the same way? This is not the layup that it used to be at Lambeau Field when the Packers hosted Detroit. No, absolutely not. And I mean, for the better part of, you know, since 2000, the Packers have dominated this series and the Lions have gotten the last four. And even coming into this season, there's always, you know, maybe it's a little naive of me and I shouldn't think this way, but there's always that aspect where it's like, well, it's the Lions. But two weeks ago before they're by watching that Chiefs game, watching them play the Chiefs, it was impressive. And they're, they're a different team this year. They had Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator. He was in Seattle previously. Uh, Matt Patricia's in his second year as head coach. So they definitely look like uh, they're just more efficient, more effective team. And, I mean, it's the NFC North. It's going to be a tough matchup. So the Packers can't take this lightly. No, and I don't think they will. I think I think they'll be ready to go. And I, like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to allow – them to play poorly on a primetime game. They're not going to have Devontae Adams. He hasn't been ruled out officially yet. But it doesn't sound like Devontae Adams is going to be able to go in this game. But they did, good news, get Jamal Williams back at practice. And Corey Lindsley practiced in pads on Friday. So that would bode well for him returning from the concussion protocol. So that is not a bad thing. And in fact, why don't we just kind of start there with one of the keys, which is obviously going to be giving Aaron Rodgers time to throw. So the Packers offensive line against Detroit's front, you know, Detroit. Uh, and I, interestingly enough, one of the names that Packers fans probably had their eye on on the Detroit side of the ball is Mike Daniels, former Packer defensive lineman who joined the Lions this season. But Daniels is looking like a long shot to play in this game because he has not practiced all week. In fact, uh, the Lions injury report looked pretty light, but Daniels hasn't practiced all week. So, 
But they, you know, it's Matt Patricia, former Patriots defensive coordinator. Now he's the head coach of the Lions. He's beaten the Packers now, what, four times in a row, which is kind of frustrating. Uh, there are obviously some circumstances surrounding that. But defensively, I expect the Lions to have a good game plan to try to get pressure on Rodgers. Lucas Patrick stepped in really well for Lindsley last week in Dallas. But getting Corey Lindsley back, I think, is is pretty key because then you've got your preferred starting five. And, you know, Rodgers gets back home. If you give him time to throw, then I think that's going to lead right into some good things for the receivers who might need a little bit of extra time to get open. They don't have the same footwork that Devontae Adams has, right? No, not at all. And, I I mean, the Packers' offensive line, specifically Bulag and Bakhtiari, they've been really tested early on. I mean, you look at – you know, Khalil Mack of the Bears, Everson Griffin, and Donnell Hunter of the Vikings, uh, Von Miller of the Broncos. You know, we can go on and on. They've been really tested. And, I mean, they'll have another opposing matchup this week, Trey Flowers of the Detroit Lions. But the Lions have only registered nine sacks this season, and they're giving up about 125 rushing yards per game, um, which is about, I think, around middle of the pack in the NFL, 15th, 16th or so. So as far as who they've gone up against, this isn't as stout of a competitor. But you always got to be prepared. And But I think this is a, ba- a matchup that the uh, Packers offensive front should be able to take advantage of. Keep Aaron Rodgers clean, which is always the name of the game, and hopefully allow Aaron Jones to go um, run wild again. You know, Establishing the running game is always key. It opens up everything else for the rest of the offense. Yeah, I mean – run wild is an understatement after what we saw last week. I mean, I don't think you're going to see Aaron Jones score four touchdowns a week. No, That'd be a lot not. to ask. <laughs> but, but I mean, that was a, that was a great performance there. And we know that the bookend tackles have done a great job. Brian Balaga has not allowed a single pressure all season long. And he's only Amazing. been going up against all these all pro pass rushers. The one thing that worries me a little bit is that you worry about a letdown where it's like Detroit might not be known as much for their pass rush. But you don't want to let down against a team that you should take care of business against. You know, it's easy for him to say, look, man, I'm beat up. I've been trying to block Demarcus Lawrence and Khalil Mack and Von Miller. It's like every single it's a murderer's row of pass rushers. Mm-hmm. But Bulaga has been fantastic. And David Bakhtiari, although statistically he's having not as great of a season as he typically does, you know, those two guys uh, have been fantastic. Are you on the extend Bulaga now train? Absolutely. I was before the season started. Um, I know injuries have been a part of his career, but I would take 12 games of Brian Bulaga versus 16 games of just about every other tackle in the NFL. Uh, When he's healthy, he's top five. He's one of the best that there is. And tackle's a premier position. You don't just go into free agency and get one. Uh, if, If you're that good, teams have locked you down. You need to find one in the draft. And so... I, he's only 30 years old. I was having this conversation with a friend. It's kind of hard to believe because it seems like he's been around forever. But I'm all aboard with bringing him back. Yeah, offensive linemen, if they can they can stay upright, can play well into their mid-30s. So, I mean, I'd love to have Brian Belaga around for another five years. That just gives you more security, keeping Rodgers protected. And then it, you don't have that pressure of having to find your next guy in the draft. As you know, it doesn't always necessarily work out. Although, while we're talking about the offensive line, we haven't had a chance to, to – chat because I don't think he was starting the last time we, we went, but Elton Jenkins at left guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's the man. He's he's an absolute brick over there. What a find in the second round. Yeah, absolutely. I remember I was at a couple of the training camp practices and I was um, watching him because the offensive line drills were right where um, I was standing. 
And there was a couple where he just knocked the defender down two plays in a row like it was nothing. He's a he's a brick wall, and you can see that watching the games too. He's he's a stud, and it's, it was a heck of a pickup by Brian Gudikins. Which a little bit of side note, is he executive of the year or what? Oh, I mean, sure. <laughs> the Smiths, Amos, Savage, Jenkins, Gary. I mean, what an offseason. Lafleur, fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, Rashawn Gary still hasn't really come into his own. I saw that that article about how they're basically just telling him, look, just get after the quarterback, just rush the passer. Mm-hmm. And I hope that once he stops thinking so much and just pins his ears back and goes, that he's going to start making plays in bunches. And, you know, if you get him involved – then opposing offenses are in trouble. They're just going to have too many things to scheme for. You know, you mentioned so you mentioned the Smiths. I know we're kind of hopping from offense to defense here, but just to keep it keep the flow going. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith each had sacks in last week's game. Now the the Cowboys had not given up more than one per game in any of the previous four weeks. So the Packers are getting pressure on teams that don't typically give up a lot of pressure. So as far as that goes now, it's, you know, it's Matthew Stafford. I think one of the things that Green Bay hasn't done a lot of in the matchups against Detroit over the past two seasons is get pressure on him. Well, now they've got an answer to that problem. And it's it's Zadarius Preston Smith, you know, Kyler Fackrell still searching for his first sack mm-hmm. of the season. But you've got Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark in the middle, Dean Lowry. You know, this I'm kind of hoping to see the defensive front have a little bit of a coming out party. Some of those guys need a good game to their record and on their name to just kind of get get going a little bit. Lowry being one. Kenny Clark is, you know, doing his job clogging things up in the middle. But, you know, he hasn't really gotten as much of a push up front. So, I mean, I, I think we probably are in agreement here. You know, once again, we need the Smiths to step up big and make life difficult early. Make Detroit have to throw the football. If you know they're throwing, then you can bring Rashawn Gary and pin your ears back and just get after Stafford. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a big part of the Packers' success in their four wins is that the offense has gotten out to the lead early on, which allows Mike Patton to go after the quarterback because he knows that they're going to be uh, passing the ball. But the Lions' offensive line, it's you know, it's one of the weaker units on their team. Carryon Johnson's a phenomenal back, but he's only averaging 3.4 yards per carry this season. And so if the Packers can get out in front early like they have been, it's going to allow the Smiths, Gary, Clark, and everyone else in that front seven to get after Matthew Stafford. And that's when the Packers have been at their best, forcing sacks, getting pressure, and then that leads to two, to turnovers. They have an opportunistic secondary. You know, if we look back at the Eagles game, they didn't have any sacks. Their Smiths didn't have any sacks. They didn't force any turnovers in that game. And, and that was the game that they lost. So that's going to be a key part for them in coming away with this win. And as we've seen in the past, Matthew Stafford likes to throw the ball around. If you put pressure on him, he's likely going to make a mistake. Yeah, I mean, he's good for one or two. And we actually have defensive backs that can catch the football and haul yes. it in right. I mean, Kevin King had one, you know, one interception in, in his first two seasons. And already this season, he's got, what, three, two? I mean, he's, two, you know, he he's, could have four. he's... He could have four. He's an interception mm-hmm. machine. So it's it's... Um, that's a great thing to see for sure. I mean, and, and you, you like, you, you make them one dimensional because if not, one of the other challenges that you're going to have is that the Packers have had, have struggled against the run. Now, the one thing that helps there is that they're one of the best first quarter offenses in the league. They've mm-hmm. scored more points than any other team in the, in Q1, which is great. Cause you get out to that early lead and you force other teams to have to play catch up. 
Carryon Johnson, the Lions running back, is not a back that you want to, you know, it's not a fire that you want to play with. You know, he's got the capability to make life just as difficult for the Packers as some of these other backs have. You know, fortunately, the Cowboys couldn't bring Zeke Elliott out like they wanted to because they, you know, they got behind. It was 31-3 at one point. So you're not going to be able to run the ball too much. So sometimes your offense becomes a part of your defense. But the front of the Packers against Carrion Johnson, I think Green Bay is going to have to establish that they can play the run. And one of the things that I keep seeing as a culprit is, is that the gap integrity and some of the mechanics and the fundamentals are not being followed by the Packers defense. I'm not a big film guy, Paul. I don't know if you watch a lot of film and if you, you know, what's your take on what is ailing the Packers run defense? What do they need to do this weekend? I think what you said is a big part of it. It's the, you know, maintaining the gaps. And honestly, I think that they're missing, they're missing Raven Green from when he went out against the Vikings. You know, what they've had to do the last couple of weeks is they have to either substitute in, you know, Will Redman in that hybrid linebacker safety role. Uh, to help out in coverage, but obviously you're sacrificing in the running game. Otherwise, or as we saw against the Eagles, you put in B.J. Goodson, you know, a stouter guy to play the run, but then he's a mismatch for the opposing team's tight ends. So I think they're at a, you know, they're just at a difficult point right now for Mike Pettin on how he wants to match up. And last week, you know, Jason Witten's a tight end, and he's a phenomenal tight end, but athletically he's not going to, you know, he's not going to, you know, scare anyone or you know create too many mismatches in that aspect it's more along it's more of his you know his intellectual part of, part of his game is what's going to separate him but this week with tj hawkinson you know it's another athletic player and he could pose a mismatch that's just going to be difficult for them to cover yeah and i there's a chance hawk plays and, and he's one that a lot of packers fans wanted the packers to look at getting and bringing in instead they they opted for jay sternberger in the third round sternberger can uh on a side note there, probably in the next week or two, start practicing if he's healthy enough and able. So that could be a good little boost to the passing game if he's able to come back. But yeah, TJ Hawkinson, he was one that I on another show that I do that I actually had on watch as a potential offensive rookie of the year candidate, which is, you know, I know typically it's a quarterback or a running back and the tight ends don't get as much love and play, but he's one that I think has uh, got star potential if he stays healthy. So, I mean, I kind of like to see him out there. You know, I'd, I'd like to see Green Bay take on the best that all these teams have to offer and win outright and, you know, do it the way they do it, even though they don't have all their horses. They don't have Devontae. And, you know, there's uh, there's a, a chance that Tony Brown isn't going to play in this game either. So it could mean more Chandon Sullivan. It could mean more of Josh Jackson, which worked out well last week. You know, you, you, you know, Will Redmond, Will Redmond should have had an interception. Chandon Sullivan mm-hmm. had a great pick. Josh Jackson wasn't too bad. So when the bottom of the depth chart is contributing like that, you know, I think the Packers cornerbacks group, and I remember it wasn't too long ago, the cornerback group was a huge question mark and it was a huge liability. And now it's a big asset. So, you know, that that's actually another, another key matchup that you had talked about, which is absolutely true. Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, right? I mean, these guys have, you know, Marvin Jones especially has torn the Packers up. Now, fortunately, the Packers won a bunch of those games. Uh, you know, three of the last four that they lost, Aaron Rodgers did not finish the game. So he started two. Um, he didn't finish week 17 last year. I think week 17 last year we can throw in the trash can. The Packers weren't playing for anything. They, you know, when Matt Prater's throwing a touchdown pass against your team, there's not a whole lot to celebrate. But 
Jones and Galladay on the outside. You know, Matt Stafford, say what you will about him. He's a 10-year veteran, though, and, and he's been playing a little better this season and taking better care of the football. Um, I think the Packers can turn that thing around, but it's going to have to come with coverage. The one thing that these guys haven't seen is peak Jair Alexander and peak Kevin King. You know, there is no gimme in the secondary anymore. Now, I don't know if Darnell Savage is going to play. I think he's probably a long shot to play this weekend. So you're probably looking at a similar safety rotation with Adrian Amos and Will Redmond again this week. But after you saw against Dallas, do you feel like these guys are up to the task of handling these two really good Detroit receivers? I do think they're up to the task, but it's still going to be a a tough challenge for them. I mean, the Cowboys put up 441 passing yards last week against this Packers secondary. And I know for probably two and a half quarters of the game, they were throwing the ball for the most part. So that number is probably a little bit inflated, but Amari Cooper still put up 226. They took advantage of Jair Alexander's aggressiveness. You know, you saw a lot of double moves and pump fakes from Zach that, or from Dak that got Jair to bite and then, uh, Cooper would burn him deep. So they're going to have another tough test this week with Marvin Jones, who's putting up 15.4 yards per catch this season. He's a Lions deep threat. And then Kenny Galladay, you know, he's a number one receiver on that team. And he's uh, he's proven. He's a possession receiver. He can make the big play. So they're going to have their hands full. But, I mean, these two guys can take care of the job as well. But it, it's not going to be easy by any means. No, it won't be. And I, hopefully Jair learned a thing or two. I mean, he had that tough – play against Stephon Diggs and the Vikings. I mean, you know, he's, he's a ball hawk, so he's going to get after the ball. You know, he wasn't able to recover and on his coverage of Amari Cooper. I mean, these are some really good receivers, mm-hmm. but you know, he wants to be one of the elite quarters in the league and hopefully he's realizing, Hey, I don't have to go for the home run every time. Sometimes it's just get in the way and just stay with your man and be sticky. You know, he's got that speed. He's got the makeup speed. He's got the smarts. Now it's time to see him do something special. I mean, it would be really cool see him get a pick six in this one, maybe, you know, something to really yes. fire himself up and gain some confidence that he has there. And I think with the Packers, the way they're pressuring the quarterback, if they're not batting the ball at the line of scrimmage, you know, they're causing Aaron throws. That's where you get those opportunities to take one to the house. I'm just waiting for this defense. That's the one thing this defense hasn't really mm-hmm. done is score a lot of points. I mean, that's the only thing left to do. They've been tearing or terrorizing everybody else, you know, on the, on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm not worried about Jair. And as much as Kevin King still doesn't seem to be able to play a full four quarters in any game, he's back out there every week, mm-hmm. and I'll take it. You know, I mean, he's his his length really came in handy. I loved how physical he was last week on his interception play. I thought it was interesting that you know what they call in terms of you know illegal contact and what they let go. There was a lot of hand checking going on before right. King before King caught that ball. It was almost like Dak Prescott was doing his best best you know vintage Matt Stafford impression last week. <laughs> so I hope that I hope that Matthew Stafford doesn't turn into peak Dak Prescott. That's all I that's all I can say about that. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I mean we alluded to it. The the Lions and Matt Stafford, they love to throw the ball around. So King and Jair are both going to be they're both going to be tested, but if the Smiths can put pressure on them and Jair and Kevin King can be sticky in coverage like they have been for the most part this year. I honestly expect them to come away or, you know, the secondary as a whole to come away with an interception or two this Monday. Yeah. There, there's been a lot of pressure on the QB, even if they're not getting sacks, they're getting there. So there's, there's going to be somebody in Matt Stafford's face. They just have to be disciplined enough to handle the check down, you know, Carryon Johnson's a guy that can probably play a little bit of that Aaron Jones role, scat out, you know, flat pass, the swing pass, the screen. You want to make sure that you maintain your integrity there. I don't know if we see more of Oren 
Perks in the Packers defense this week. One of the assets that he brings is his speed and his ability to cover as a linebacker. So if you've got him out there, then that's obviously very, very helpful. Uh, that could be something to mitigate a little bit of that inside quickness there. Uh, let's not forget about Dan- Danny Amendola, who's mm-hmm. with the Lions too now. And he's very crafty, very shifty. So, I mean, the Lions have have some pretty good receivers. I remember the days when Golden Tate was with Detroit for a long time, and he was always that issue in the slot. Now Danny Amendola steps in, and he's kind of that same guy. He spent many years in, in New England with the Patriots. I think he spent some time with the Dolphins, Rams. He's He's played in some pretty good offenses, so he knows how to get open. So the defense is definitely going to have their hands full. But one of the things that has been discussed for the last couple of weeks is the debate over the Packers wide receivers. You know, besides Devontae Adams, are they good? Are they not good? Do they have enough? Do they not have enough? We can throw Jimmy Graham into this equation too. So Marquez Valdez-Scantling still hasn't really broken out. Aaron Rodgers has just missed him on a couple of occasions. Kumaro had a catch last week. And you got Darius Shepard, who I think is only going to become more of a part of this offense as time goes on. I think he just needs to make a couple catches and get confident. But, you know, I'm leaving Geronimo Allison out of the equation because Geronimo Allison to me now is just kind of your, you know, possession guy. He's not real flashy. He hasn't really proven that he can do that. But what's your take on the receiver group? You know, obviously this is who they're going into this week's game with. They're not going to make a move. So are you comfortable with the guys that they have? And do you expect any of them to to have a bigger game and maybe step up a little more this week than they have? Uh, For Monday, out of those guys that you listed, the one guy that I'm waiting for to break out is MVS. I think that he I think that he has that potential to be a real true number two receiver. But up to this point, we haven't seen. I mean, last week was the perfect opportunity no Devontae Adams for someone or even the unit as a whole to break out. And they had 13 targets, the wide receiver group. They hold in four passes for 55 yards. Uh, I mean, a big part of what they did in the receiving game last week, and credit to Lafleur and, and Rodgers as well, was getting the tight ends involved. Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Tanya, and all had catches. Uh, the running backs, Aaron Jones, Trey Carson, all had receptions as well. So I'm expecting more of that this week where it's a lot of tight ends, a lot of running backs. And then if they can, you know, get some shots downfield with MVS, Geronimo, Kumro in the passing game, I think they'll take their chances. But I, once again, I don't expect them to rely heavily on the receivers as a whole to carry this team. No, but, and I kind of, th- I saw the, the four catches last week against Dallas and it was a little concerning at first. Cause I was like, man, that's not what you really want. But what I do like and what I've seen this week from Matt LaFleur and what he said to the media is, listen, we're going to tailor our game plan to the opponent. It's not going to be a one-size-fits-all approach anymore. So, you know, just because you see four catches from the receivers one week doesn't mean they're not going to get, you know, 15, 16 catches in the following. So I, I like that approach, and I like the fact that obviously against Dallas, what they had worked. I mean, Aaron Jones scored four touchdowns. He caught a lot of balls. Danny Vitale had a couple catches in there. You know, so these guys are all contributing. Trey Carson was another guy that contributed as well. You know, if that's what works, go with it. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's kind of like when Brett Favre came to Green Bay many years ago. It was like he just threw to the guy that was open, and that's that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter. And I think, in fact, you know, there's some talk about you could see the the Packers running backs actually get some get vertical a little bit this week if mm-hmm. if that if that works out for them, and that's fine with me. I don't you know I don't have any any issue with that at all. Jimmy Graham made a big catch last week, 
And listen, if it's a pitch count thing and if it's like, you know, if he's not at the point where he can catch eight or nine balls a game anymore, but he catches two or three that are vital and key, I'm good with that. You know, I think Jimmy Graham matches up well. Uh, Darius Slay is, ham- is nursing a little bit of an injury. Uh, the secondary has been a little bit banged up, but I think most of their preferred starters are going to play this week. But you get Jimmy Graham and these wide receivers loose. You know, again, in Kumaro, I think it's going to be about picking your spots. And it, and listen, just take the dink and dunk. Mm-hmm. Take the dink and dunk and make the make the, the long game of getting down the field almost like another defender and keep the Detroit offense off the field. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big part of what the you know, big difference I've noticed in Aaron Rodgers this year is he's taken those first reads, the dink and dunk options, and this offense has just been more effective as a whole because of it. Yeah. And I like to see Rodgers settling in there. One thing, a couple things I've seen the last couple of weeks that were really great were his mobility seems to have come back, like his elusiveness in the pocket. He's moving around, keeping his eyes downfield. He's still making plays that way. You know, he's not going to live and die by running around as much as he used to, but he can certainly still get that done if he has to. You know, he's a smart player. And if there's a nice gaping hole in the middle, mm-hmm. he's off to the races. You know, I mean, just pick up the yards and take what you can get. And, you know, he's a... He's a master slider. Yes. Not, every, not everybody, not everybody <laughs> does that as well. So he's a master slider, and he's going to be back on the comfortable, nice grass turf of Lambeau Field. So, yeah, and him climbing the pocket and just searching for his receivers—it's been—it's been a sight for sore eyes. He's played mm-hmm. really well these last couple of weeks, and and it's when you don't have any, there isn't a single person on this Packers roster now that I think has to carry this team anymore. That's why they're four and one. And that's why I think they can continue to be successful these these next couple weeks. And you go into a game against the Chiefs, and I'm not looking past the Lions or the Raiders. But you go into a tough road game against the Chiefs, conceivably you're going to have two teams that may have only lost one game up to that point battling against each other. And that could be a potential Super Bowl preview, too. To know that you've got the weapons to hang with those guys, it's just it's a nice feeling to have for once. Oh, you know, they haven't made the playoffs in the past couple of years, but it's got to be comforting to know, hey, we're getting back to the, the brand of Packers football that we're used to seeing. 100%. I think that was a big goal of Brian Gutekunst and just the Packers organization this offseason was, you know, so much in the past for the Packers to win, Aaron Rodgers had to be Superman. And with the additions on the defense, you know, Matt LaFleur coming in, utilizing the running game more. I actually just looked this up uh, yesterday or the day before. The Packers led the league last year in passing percentage at 68. They're 15th in the league this year at 59%. Um, Even that little bit of a difference is making a huge impact on the offense and in the red zone. Utilizing the tight ends. I mean, Mercedes Lewis is out there so much more, and he's a heck of a blocker. Jimmy Graham's getting involved. He's got 12 targets the last two games. And even Robert Tanya, you know, he's a dynamic player and get, just giving him those opportunities like we saw against Dallas. And that's just a big part. This is a this is a team effort, and they're well-rounded. There's really no, you know, maybe special teams, but there's no super weak part of this team like there had been in the past, uh, you know, some uh, oh, just a weak component. It's well-rounded, and they're a solid team, and that's what's gotten to them to this point. Yeah, and I think I saw Jimmy Graham throw a nice block last week. Did mm-hmm. you catch that? Yeah, he actually had a couple nice blocking plays last week. It was very refreshing to see. <laughs> it's like it's like he's reading Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's been a little bit jumping down Jimmy Graham's throat for his blocking, but that's definitely not why the Packers signed him and brought him exactly. in here. Exactly. No. Haul in passes and catch passes. If he can yeah. block, though, 
that that can only be a plus. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, you know, just a tank back there. He came around on the backside and took out uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest on, things. One I of was, the Jones runs, and oh, I was going to say that was one of the thing. One of the things I was so confused on last year. They bring in Mercedes Lewis, and I looked at Pro Football Reference. He played seventeen percent of the snaps last year. Well, that was a different. Different coaching staff. That's yes. all I can. That's all I can <laughs> yeah, say. That's exactly. the only the only thing I can chalk that up to is uh, different coaching staff, right? Yeah, but, but he's he's being utilized real well. Everybody's energized and playing well together. I love the swagger. Mm-hmm. Whenever they make a big play, you've got the groups coming together and getting together, posing for the faux mm-hmm. photo op. So that's that's kind of cool. Kind of cool to see. You know, you mentioned one thing that stood out to me. Kick coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, Mason Crosby almost gets decapitated last week, and, and he got banged up a little bit. But talk about the kick coverage, because that's one thing that they've said that they think they're going to improve on. They liked how they came back against Dallas and played. But, you know, you give up a big return. That's obviously field position. It's not something that you want to tinker around with too much. You mean, are you seeing anything that leads you to believe that there's still an issue or that they finally have it fixed? It's still up in the air for me. I mean, we were talking before we started recording, and I can think on of at least two or three oppor- two or three chances this year where Mason Crosby had to make a tackle, and we're only five games into the season. I mean, <laughs> that just can't happen. And fortunately, last week when it happened, there was a penalty, and also fortunately, he wasn't injured. Um, I remember Will Redman had a couple nice tackles on special teams. He's been really good as the gunner on punt return against Dallas and Philadelphia, just getting down there, limiting returns. But I'm not sure what it is, but they're, they've just got to improve that aspect. Yeah, and I, I think you've got a lot of guys that are playing that are on the bottom half of the roster, and there's mm-hmm. been some subs in there with Raven Green and guys like that out. You have other guys that are playing special teams that don't normally. But Redman actually had a really nice uh, tackle. I think it was on punt coverage, but he did really well last week. Those kind of things, I think, are an attitude. Like, remember when Jared Bush was on the on special yes. teams? It's like you could count on him getting down there first, down in the ball, being a good gunner. Jeff Janice was good at that too. The one thing that Janice did well, you know. <laughs> so, you know, that was that's that's an attitude. It's coaching, and it's something that hopefully Menengas got his hands uh, wrapped around because those are sneaky hidden yards that are going to cost the Packers. Like I said, you, you put a, another team in a short field, then all of a sudden they've got this advantage that you don't want to have to be chasing and dealing with. So, you know, I, I think on the on the the kick side of things, like just keep teams inside the 30 and mm-hmm. make them have to work for those yards because your defense is going to do its job. You're, you know, the, the longer they have to go, the more chances there are for the defense to do what they do well, which is sack quarterbacks and steal the football. So I think that's, that's a big thing. The kick coverage is going to have to be uh, – on point, and then hopefully, this was in Detroit last year, but hopefully Mason Crosby doesn't decide to completely Oof. leave his body and turn it to somebody yes. else. I think he missed, was it five kicks last year in Detroit? Yeah, I or, think it was. I think it was four field goals and an extra, and an point. extra point. Yep, that's what I was going to say. I think he was one for five on field goals and then an extra point he missed as well. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. Well, and if there's one thing, you know, if any of you follow me on Twitter, you know one of my least favorite players in the league is Matt Prater. I don't know. He just, <laughs> he just bugs me. He just bugs me. And so I don't want our guy to lose out to Matt Prater and, and especially at Lambeau Field. That was a painful week 17 last year, although it was mm-hmm. eased a little bit by the fact that we knew there was nothing to play for and that that wasn't the Packers out there trying to win a game and getting embarrassed at home. You know, that, you know, it's hard to believe that these same Packers 
had a nearly quarter century winning streak at Lambeau Field against the Lions. So it's time to start a new one, I think. I, and I think I think they will. You know, I, I don't know what the score is going to be. Um, I could see both teams getting into the high 20s and it being a closer game. But I think the Packers don't just they they find a way to get it done. They've they just got too much momentum going on. And I think Aaron Rodgers wants too much to keep things going. And I don't think this team, you know, Matt LaFleur has impressed the hell out of me. You talked about Brian Gutekunst, executive of the year. You know, one thing about Matt LaFleur, he has definitely taken some great notes from the head coaches that he has worked for because he is coaching this team like a guy who's been doing it for a while. And that Mm -hmm. is a breath of fresh air. I just, the things that he says, we talked about the changing game plans and his philosophies and his obvious fantastic relationship with the quarterback. (laughs) You know, what else can you say about Matt LaFleur other than four and one and wow. Yeah, no, I've been incredibly impressed by him. And I was, like I said, I referenced it earlier. When I was at training camp, one of the first things I noticed at the first couple of practices I was at was just how efficiently and effective they, the the practices were. There wasn't any wasted time. You know, if you needed a water break, you did it while you were waiting for your turn in the drill. They moved from one to the next. And as a new head coach, you never really know what you're going to see in that aspect of it. So I was impressed right away. And, you know, you read the stuff about the locker room and, you know, letting the guys be leaders and all the articles that come out in that aspect. And it's it's been terrific. Yeah. Can't complain about it. Absolutely can't complain about it. So, I mean, there's there's a lot more season ahead of us here, but there's also a lot of things for the Packers to step up and grab and maybe set some precedents and really make the 2019 season one to remember with all the individual and team performances that they were able to put together. So, I mean, I think the Packers are looking good. I kind of gave my prediction for this game. So how do you see this one shaping up? I think it's going to be a close game for the most part, but I do expect the Packers to win. And, you know, maybe it's one of those, you know, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, they make it a two score game and kind of pull away from that point, but they have a great opportunity on their hands. They're already two and zero in the division. If they can move to three and zero, while everyone else has at least one loss, I mean, that's already a huge win in that aspect of it. So it's a great opportunity in front of them. I expect them to win. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. And again, you can find Paul on Twitter. Paul, give us your Twitter handle. Uh, you can find me at Paul underscore Brettle, B-R-E-T-L. And then Dairyland Express is Dairyland X, the letter X, and then P-R-E-S-S, Dairyland Express. Great work that you do over there. I am at, over at Cheesehead TV, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Jason Perone. Well, Paul, it's been good. Uh, hopefully we're talking about a couple more Packers victories because it'll be a couple weeks before we get back. But any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, none for me. None for me either. Go Pack Go. We'll talk to you next time.